Good afternoon, everybody. We're here for a uh, Sunday briefing from none other than our resident non-scientist expert gets everything right, keeps us informed. Uh, we'll get you a trophy someday. Maybe it'll be nicer than Mike Nice's plaque for being the three-time smokeout bugout champion. He, he he waited a long time. I finally got him a plaque, and I thought it was going to be much bigger than it was. But, you know, we'll, we'll sort that out another time. Steven, welcome to the show. Nice to have you back. Thanks. I'll take a card. That would be cool. Just like a, a card? Little, Just a yeah, little card? Maybe a metal one, though. Make it like titanium or something. Okay. All right. What, what should it say? Just resonant, run-your-mouth, non-scientist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a, a badge. Maybe we'll get you a yeah. badge. I think we can make this a thing. Yeah, no, you could show up to places like Ace Ventura style with like just flashing the badge. Like I'm a resident non-scientist. Uh, if you excuse me, I'd like to, you know, help uh, help you out here. Answer any medical questions you guys have, but it's not medical advice, of course. <laughs> yeah. So I was you and I were bullshitting a little bit before the show. I went grocery shopping. I, I, I meant to just pick up one thing. And then usually I just grab like the hand cart so that like I can't buy that much shit. But then this time I didn't. So I ended up just filling my entire cart up with and my biggest problem when I buy like I have a freezer full of like meat already and then I get nervous to eat it because I don't know how long it's been in there. Right. And then I don't want to throw it away because I'm like, I bought this just to freeze it. So I, I find myself in these OCD pickles pretty often, Stephen. I I mean, I used to kind of buy stuff just so it looks good in the freezer because like I, I was into freezers long before the cryobanking stuff. And I always thought the play was just buy a bunch of shit, dude. And, you got into that job just because you're into freezers. <laughs> that reminds me of that scene. And it's always sunny when like uh, they find some poop expert and the guy's just like, oh, I just like looking at poop. You're that fucking weird, dude. You just like, what do you like about freezers? What's what's so exciting about freezers? It's kind of one, the the, the longevity and, and like the organization ability. It's kind of like an OCD meets like, uh, meets like kind of like practical use kind of. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Hey man, but, if you, anyone who finds a way to capitalize off of like the weird aspects of their personality, like for example, every time I write a joke, I feel like I validate some terrible life experience that I had. Cause usually like I'm pulling from some tragedy or something that pissed me. So it's like, it's like I walk away with this little gem and I'm like, it was worth it. So I, you clearly are a little bit weirder and more city than I realized, but you just love organizing freezers and you managed to make a job out of that. <laughs> Precisely. Just for a little bit in the pandemic. Yeah. And then I got to use kind of like my background in biology to be like kind of like biology freezers. So they charge a lot. I, I love it. Um, I had this incident at the uh, at the grocery store. I might make this my new thing. I didn't do it, but I really molded over, which is uh, whenever you're with a kid at some point, like they annoy you enough that you just have to kind of ignore them. That's the nature of hanging out with a kid. But then when you watch silently and you haven't been around this kid all day, some adult dealing with that kid, you always think that the adults being a dick to the kid just because you haven't been there all day. So in this case, some kid was like looking, was like looking at these spices and was like really, really into them. And I'm walking down the aisle. And the mom's like, "We gotta go. What are you doing?" He's like, "I want to get this Montreal, whatever." And the mom's just like, "I've never heard of that. We're, we're going." And he's like, "No, it's really good. I want to get this Montreal." And I really wanted to butt in and just be like, "Oh, that's actually a really good spice." Like I just wanted to like, I had no business to do it, but I really just wanted to take the kid's side because I felt so bad for that kid in that moment. Right. I'm like, this kid might be a chef and he's onto something, and like. <laughs> He's just excited about a swing at you though. You know, you got to be careful. I know. Yeah. Cause yeah. you got, you got no right butting in like that's yeah. a, You know what I mean? But I, I, I might make that my new thing is just taking random kids sides. 
<laughs> but actually, I think that's really intelligent. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, Daddy, we need this inflatable pool for the backyard. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> yeah, dude. And Yo, what can I come up? I always wanted a backyard inflatable pool. Let's do this shit. You just high five the kid. <laughs> you gotta have someone film it from like a different angle too. Yeah, yeah it's such yeah. a dick move to random parents. Oh man, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't even know how you go about that. It's always fun when it's like your friend's kid, you know? It's super fun. But then, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, but other than that, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, otherwise, I mean, it's just inappropriate. There's no reason for you to be talking to other people's kids. All right. Right, yeah. Let's get into some, uh, some news. Let's start with one of the most interesting conspiracy theories that people are trying to float out there is that Putin is uh, the world's savior. And Fauci's been out there with labs and uh so putin realized he has to go into ukraine get rid of these neo-nazis it's like a comic book there's neo-nazis with bio labs that are in ukraine and so he's going in there like the avengers to rid the earth of neo-nazis and bio labs and anything you see about uh civilian destruction is a lie so what's your take on this uh bio lab narrative First, specifically on the biolabs, I think it's just pretty obvious that um, the, the 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 spectrum of like acceptable research, there's a red line and that red line goes to what we can do in the United States. And this is done in like every university at all the at all the papers that publish in the United States. But then there's this extra like 25 percent of the spectrum that's really not ethically OK to do in the United States with like and it's not ethically OK to the point where you're doing kind of gain of function research <clears throat> for lack of a better term, but it's, it, you don't get away with it in the United States, not because you can't do it. Like I told you, we could do our 30 minute class on how to create a virus in your garage. It, that's not the problem. The problem is that there's enough people in the United States that are going to overlook you and say, Hey dude, that's a problem. You're clearly making viruses more, uh, more pathogenic to humans in, uh, in some bullshit effort. Like I'm going to tell someone or tell your boss or tell the FDA, and then you'll be blacklisted from the science community in the United States. But so, but that other 25% of unacceptable research here is extremely interesting. And that's like what every scientist dreams of, right? It's like designing viruses that are really deadly, kind of, you know, some scientists. Sickos. That are right, into freezers. Right. I don't think everyone gets that excited. I might be able to destroy everyone. <laughs> it gets really crazy because it, it's almost like a video game, right? Because you can make it so these viruses only activate when they're given a certain chemical or an antibiotic. And, you know, it gets really complicated. But basically, um, there is an argument to be made that this research could be used for good, like fucking the Fauci line, like, oh, you right. know, they needed to do this so we could then see it ahead of time and make a vaccine. It's kind of bullshit logic. Um, because you see the problems with that. But also there's a really fine line between doing that and then allowing the coronavirus to leak out, which would happen. So I, I think beyond a doubt, the United States clearly has interests and funds and kind of gives the wink, wink, this is okay to do on your soil for that other 25% of kind of sketchy, unethical research that people would have problems with in the United States just because you would get ratted out. There's enough people that are like, yo, that's a fucking problem. You can't do it in secret. We do. Here. We do the exact same thing when it comes to torture, that there's certain things that we don't do. So we just basically outsource it to uh, like, we'll just send a prisoner to some other country and have them do it for us. Uh, now, with that being said, um, why wouldn't we just do this shit in Alaska? Like if I was the United States government and I wanted to run any sorts of bio lab anything, 
I would go to the most remote area in Alaska. I'd have one of those secret bases, like envision what you see in a movie of that North Pole base that's super secret. Why wouldn't you just do everything there? Like, I don't even understand why you would have remote bases in an area like Ukraine. It's interesting because we actually do, um, you know, I used to work for a company. There's a lot of uh, monkey research actually happens in Louisiana of this country. And there's whole hospitals that have wings dedicated just to doing this, you know, final clinical research on monkeys, you know, certain types of cancers and other like this tuberculosis diseases. I'm not saying it's widespread, but it just happens. And the point is we also have a BSL level four with like Ebola samples in Maryland. So we have labs that are capable of the, uh, that actually have freezers full of some of the most deadly polio and the deadliest diseases just in case we need them later but it comes down to morality it's kind of i see parallels for the same reason we're going to fucking venezuela to get oil instead of texas dude it's the same shit but it's like a moral thing we're not doing it here you know don't blame us like we're all clean in the united states what you mean that they want to pretend for energy of energy like green energy that we're not drilling but they have no problem with another country drilling Right. It's kind of it's, it doesn't make logical sense. This is the best I can come up with. It It doesn't right. make logical sense on its face, but it's just like a virtue signaling bullshit because they believe like most of Americans are mouth breathers, which may or may not, you know, to the extent that they can manipulate all of us. Right. And like, no, like we'd never we've never done this type of research here. It's Ukraine. And then when that shit goes bad in China, you could pull a Fauci and clean your hands of it. Right. right. Well, that's interesting with the oil thing. Uh, and I'm going to add a kicker to it. But basically what you're saying is we have oil reserves here that we've chosen not to make use of. And seemingly, I guess the reason for not using it, it's one of two things. Let's go with that. It's for the environment or it's because we want to save it. So let's go with the environment one. Well, if someone else is going to pull it out of the ground and they're going to ship it. So you're going to be consuming more energy to get it here. So that's going to be worse <laughs> yeah. for the environment. And the idea of saving it, I to me, is dumb. The reason being, it's what I explored in uh, my end of year, uh, um, you know, the end of year recap thing. Uh, and I took this from George Reisman, but technology gets better. So if we right. currently have a good resource to meet our energy needs, like it, 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 you don't accrue interest by saving it. The oil in the ground doesn't accrue interest. It's not like a financial <laughs> resource. So if we consume it, we're going to like, have more money that we can be investing into actual green energy so that by the time it runs out, the next thing will actually be efficient and ready to go versus saying, Hey, we're not going to use that oil. You're actually pausing economic development. And so you're going to delay getting to like that, what that solution would be. I think that would be the easiest way to sum that up. Right. Uh, yeah, precisely. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it's it's so weird that we've gone to a place where it's kind of like feel good stories over like right. no dude this is pretty like let's I know let's just like do it you know it's okay so to lay out just the by um Alex Berenson who I've enjoyed quite a bit over uh, the pandemic so he was saying anyone who's saying that there's bio labs out there is being an idiot don't be fooled by it but then he also said I have to reread the piece I was hoping to reread the yeah. piece before we uh, recorded today. But then he was also talking about, which sounded like an argument for why there would be biolabs, that post-Russia, essentially we had to kind of partner with the scientists and labs that were there. Because if we didn't, let's just say USSR fails and they've got all these biolabs and we don't decide to work with those people and give them jobs, they're basically bribing them so that they don't go and sell these things to other countries and everyone has bio, which is fine. That would make sense. But then the United States government, like they think we're dumbasses. And even Alex Berenson's going, well, it's not that. But then it sounds like he's giving her an argument for why it might be that. And then the response thus far, because I know the way that these fuckers lie, 
when I watched that video with, um, and I played it on the show uh, with the Senator from uh, Marco yes. Rubio, when he asked the lady and she was like, well, we do, but, and then there was a new thing. I saw a headline the other day that they were asking the Ukrainians to destroy some sensitive materials. Like, it just seems to me, I don't know. I like it could be as simple as that. We do have a partnership with them and there's a reason for it, but it does seem to me like the, and by the way, biolab might be a very loose term where I'm even falling for someone else's sucker game that like, I was about to say just, just to your point and you were just right. getting to it. Excellent. Um, that what I actually strongly believe happened is Ukraine has a lot of livestock, right? And I actually heard this kind of shield by someone before it makes perfect sense that you would have, United States funded uh, biological facilities to monitor uh, zoological diseases or diseases amongst livestock. I mean, uh, just right. the, the industry for protecting cattle and horses and even just veterinary medicine is massive. And you can imagine in parts of the world like Ukraine, it's not just for pets. They actually need their fucking cattle. So if there was a disease that was wiping out horses or cattle, it would actually hurt them. So it makes perfect sense that back then we we settled these biological facilities that are fully capable labs. And that's where Alex right. Berenson is getting this wrong. Like I, it goes back to our segment on how to create a virus, bro. It's 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 not a function of supplies um, to, to make a facility. You just need maybe you know twenty thousand dollars at most in a clean facility. Right. So if you have all the equipment to monitor zoological diseases, you have all the equipment to then facilitate. I don't want to say make a biological weapon, but there's a fine line bes between saying like, hey, we, we found this virus in cows that you know reminds us of cowpox that like now, you know, now works like smallpox. But you know? Just to give so, the flip so side to that. Spectrum. If I yeah. was the United States government and you actually have livestock issues that need to be researched out in the Ukraine, I would 100% go, oh, we've already got the facilities and we're already dabbling into this. It's like the same thing, the argument that we make with Iran of that if you're uh, processing uh, uranium, right? So you can say that it's just because to meet your nuclear energy needs, which yes, is shady when your country's got massive oil reserves. But we also know that that exact research and functioning can easily duel for creating a nuclear warhead. This seems to me to be the exact same thing, that if you already have a lab outside the United States government, you got a partnership with them and you're researching, you know, cow farts and feces for whether or not people, cows are going to come down with the disease. Yeah. One probably yeah, One you probably call. have a backdoor where at least the information's being shared with whoever in the U.S. is also working on bioweapons. That just seems like why wouldn't it work that way? Dude, I'll, I'll tell you what. And like, I, I don't want to give like too much significance to the story. But I, when I was working at Mass General Hospital at this like um, it, it was like a DOD sponsored Harvard Medical School laboratory and the manager Ph.D. I had during the holidays, we'd have this brass come in like military brass with all these fucking uh whatever you call the, you know, the little flags you see like right. all the little pins and they would hand them envelopes and they were and i asked i literally asked the phd guy what they were and they were holiday handouts from the guys at the dod because the lab did such good work with them and it's just an example of how you know kind of like we talked about before these labs don't work for the public you know they're not really working for us they're working for the government and then right. the special organizations of the government especially the military which for the most part is probably doing great work and a lot of our medicine probably came from the military wound healing a lot of that shit goes to the military first then it comes to like diabetics and stuff so a lot of it's good but then you can think easily it could be switched to like the other side too and, and, and I'm just saying the money changing hands just to show the cozy relationship. And, you know, that's illegal. That shouldn't have happened. Right. But but like that shit does happen. 
All right. So one, I got to look this up because today I went to uh, um, the gym I go to has two locations. I went to the other location. Last time I was there, I I, fi- I had to leave because I was asked twice to put on a mask. And then like I realized, oh, they're actually policing this. Now, lucky for me, the gym I've gone to, for the most part, they didn't really like it was just throughout all of Corona. Well, actually, when it was at its worst, I was kind of working out in the pool because they didn't make you wear like a mask in the pool. But for the most part, the gym was it was people that didn't care. Hey, it was like that there were some people that wore masks. The people that were wearing masks weren't tattling on the other people. And for the most part, it was pretty relaxed. Three weeks ago, they started kind of policing it again. And now it's disappeared. Now, I would like to see I'd actually like to look at this because now there's no mask mandates. There's nothing in my area. We're totally free and clear of it. I'd like I need to actually look up the numbers to see the the actual reduction in cases, because if it's just as simple as that, the government changed the law. It's amazing to me how like I went to the gym today and it was like two years ago. They're playing volleyball. No one's wearing a mask. It's normal life. Right. Two weeks ago was not normal life. I'd like to know if the actual numbers changed or like to me, it's like such a mind fuck of how much of this was in our heads. Like when you're playing with a little kid and you're playing a game, like there's a ghost in the room and so you do everything to play along that there's a ghost in the room, but there's no fucking ghost in the room. But like, we all lived in the reality of like deadly virus for two years and then just realized, Oh, we don't have to, we don't have to play this anymore. So I, I, it's amazing to me. I, I was joking the other day. Uh, I don't have this joke for out, but I was jo- like, they're calling it uh uh Corona fatigue. So they basically went yeah. from follow the science to is baby tired? Is baby <laughs> like what fucking scientific metric is people are fatigued? All right. But as the story starts to unwind, we haven't seen Fauci in a while. We've got people oh. screaming left and right about uh possible uh that we're starting to see side effects. So I hand it to you to give us the latest mm-hmm. on uh what's coming out on the uh the vaccine and side effects. Yeah, and I'll just say um, I was really uh, struck. There's an hour and 45 minute long conversation. Just a quick shout out. Um, I know your audience probably knows Glenn Beck. He did a long form conversation with Robert Malone, where Robert Malone really dug into some new research and he gave some context into the long term side effects and the potential causes, which I think is really important because I know we tried to talk about that, but that was a little too soon. And he also referred to the high jump in deaths and kind of related that to he actually kind of uh, uh, kind of rang the bell on this new form of uh, high incidences of cancers. And this is actually coming out in pathologists and uh, various uh, cancer centers are actually worrying about this. But uh, to rewind a little bit, he, we want to talk about the side effects of the vaccine. So the vaccines are the mRNA technology. And this is that new questionable technology that was rushed through. And as these documents are coming out and the studies are being done, uh, the Pfizer's mRNA isn't just natural mRNA. What they did is they actually removed one of the four bases in that genetic material that tells our cells to make the original spike protein. They put in a modification. It's called a pseudouridine. So it's just a fake uridine. And the big uh, reason this is important is because this modification actually makes it to the mRNA that gets put into our bodies that in the jabs that the nurses weren't even doing correctly to begin with, uh, it actually sticks around weeks longer than anticipated. 
And this is really shocking to someone in uh, kind of just the laboratory field because traditionally RNA is very unstable, particularly mRNA, so much so that you need to do mRNA work in special rooms. And there's whole chemicals you use in the molecular biology laboratory to protect RNA because it degrades. And the reason you would want mRNA technology to degrade fast is because you're literally giving, uh, injecting in your body the directions to make that spike protein. And this is also coming out as the mRNA is, is found to last longer, it's going to uh, express the spike protein longer in your system. And this is coming out in tandem with more information of just how toxic the spike protein is. And this is also in kind of the context of the heart problems and also particularly getting the spike protein to go around uh, to be septic in your bloodstream. And this could be a side effect of a maladministered vaccine on top of this mRNA that's modified in a certain way to make it more immunogenic, but it also lasts much longer than they previously thought. So essentially, there, the, in some cases, the mRNA vaccines are lasting longer and pretty much inflaming your body to produce excessive spike protein. So almost so much so that your body's reacting to it. There was a lot going on there. All right. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give the stupid to it, which I think I understood. <laughs> uh, mRNA is sticking around in the body a little bit too long. And by function of the fact that it's sticking around in the body too long, it might be causing some problems. Precisely. And, 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 and it's, it's interesting because if we just went with a protein vaccine, we wouldn't care because if you, when you inject someone with protein, your body builds antibodies against it and then degrades it. And that's, that's a tried and true method that works with a, a, any protein that you eat or you, 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 uh, in, you know, you inject in yourself ideally. Um, but here with the mRNA, it's taking that extra step to one, take the mRNA to fool your cells to keep making a protein. And, and then, so the problem is they're not really controlling how much protein uh, your body is making and where it's making it, opposed to just giving you a shot with the protein. So it's really, it's really that scatter and unknown duration and sporadic duration of this cytotoxic spike protein that, that's uh, not good for your cells to begin with. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. All right. So we've got this uh, mRNA is on the loose. People yes. have been injecting in it. They're hanging out a little bit too long, trying Wait, it's yeah. curfew. They should be going back to their homes, getting out from being in front of the bodega, smoking their cigarettes. So the mRNA is hanging out too long. What are we starting to see already? Like, do we have evidence of uh, like a, a like let's use this word cautiously. There could be a level of side effects that we'd all agree. All right. Not a big deal. And then there could be a level of side effects. Where we're like, oh, this looks bad. Uh, so I, I, I guess first part of the question is where, where do we stand now and what are they starting to see? Like, what can we speak to as a hundred percent? Like there's always the, Hey, there could be a problem, which is the way the news likes to report on things. Things could, which is great because I've made this joke in the different fashions. Anything could do anything that doesn't mean much. The evidence is what's more important. So based on what we're seeing so far, uh, like how much, how much concern should people have, or how much do you think this might escalate or really turn into, you know, like a red, like you can really just go, wow, they fucked up. Right. I think, I think right now we're there with the, within like the couple months of getting the, getting your two or three doses. And we actually see that in the data, in the myocarditis and the bears reporting. So we're kind of there with the short term side effects and, and, you know, it's also important to put it in perspective too. Um, we might need to, we might go back through the numbers in a couple of years too, but just to compare this COVID-19 vaccine bears reporting and significant side effects with other vaccines. But so I would say most of the problems uh, I imagine would be in those first two months. 
So your question to long-term side effects, and now I'm going to do a little bit of speculation. This is also kind of going along with, with Robert Malone was saying, is that the problem when these mRNAs are hanging out in your system is that there's actually a potential that they can either get integrated, so integrated actually into your DNA. And this is a, you know, this is rather speculative, but this has been shown to happen in the lab to liver cells, hepatocytes. So ideally, or not ideally, what I'm saying is happening is this mRNA, once it gets into your bloodstream, it can actually be taken up into your immune cells, your very white blood cells. And these cells are quite active and they have uh, what's called human reverse telomerase. And these are some of the only cells in our body that are able to take RNA and turn it back into DNA. And so the, the idea of having sporadic mRNA that hangs around much longer than it should in the presence of these cells that can take RNA and turn it back into DNA is very concerning because then you would have a, a piece of the spike protein in the actual DNA of these white blood cells that don't last very long. So they won't, but that, that is a problem for inflammation. And what we are seeing right now um, in the clinic, according to Malone, and he cites some papers in the... Uh, in the podcast is actually, he, he describes it, I think, as a shot of Tony Fauci as AIDS. And AIDS is just like a acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, right? It doesn't have to come from HIV. It can also come from like leukemia or something or something where your white blood cells are killing each other. Um, and so what he describes is this kind of uh, interesting thing that happens also with COVID patients. And this is also what's so interesting and frustrating. Is Wait, that so can we technically yeah. say that Fauci gave everyone AIDS and be accurate? I think that's where Malone is laying the Hell laying yeah, the bricks too, dude. He's a like he's it. a clever motherfucker, <laughs> dude. I'm a Malone guy, dude. I might make All right, a shirt. So I I I have this question for you. The last time we spoke, uh, there were some fantastic, and when I say fantastic, I mean out there. I don't mean like fantastic good. I mean like fantastical claims. That would be the more accurate way to say it. Of I I actuaries starting specifically for insurance companies looking at death and disease and realizing, oh my God, we've priced everything incorrectly and we're going to have a problem. And the reason why we price things incorrectly is because rates of cancer and other things are increasing and our tables are off. And the reason why we believe they're increasing, or at least this would be the skepticism is because of uh, the mRNA vaccine. Now you said, you said that we like, and that there probably will never be a smoking gun to that. And in part, they're going to be able to claim that COVID is what changed people, not the vaccine, that it's long COVID or that people got COVID and as a result. And then you would think, though, that you could pretty easily prove whether or not that was true by basically doing a study of totally unvaccinated individuals who had COVID versus the vaccinated individuals that had COVID and seeing which group ended up with the higher rates. Now, if you, you want to get technical, you'd run into some issues that, for example, I'm in the unvaccinated camp and I'm also not the healthiest, healthiest of individuals. And I'm actually willing to bet that the unvaccinated camp is probably less healthy than the vaccinated camp overall because we're more of the fuck you people versus like when you look at your gym rats, the like your lefties, your kale eaters and all that other bullshit. Those are probably lean more towards vac, vax and compliant. Uh, so I hand it back to you. Have you changed your opinion in any way as to whether or not there might be a smoking gun uh, at a future point in date to say, hey, clearly the mRNA caused some massive harm? Unfortunately, um, what you would have to do, and I would love to do this if I had a lab, but you would you would need to show that 
once injecting mRNA, once injecting the mRNA vaccine into a rodent, for example, or a mouse, and then you would have to take blood draws every couple hours. And I would find out just how long is the spike protein being expressed in that rat's blood. And you do that with a control. So that would be a vaccine with no mRNA, or actually it would be a, it would be a vaccine with fake mRNA. So the mRNA wouldn't make any sense. It would just be random. And then you do a vaccine, that, the real vaccine, inject them both into different rats. And obviously the rat that you didn't inject anything and you wouldn't see spike protein. And then you, you test the other one to see how long you would see the spike protein for. And then you would be able to tell like, okay, how long is this being expressed? Then I would look in to see if any of the rats white blood cells or well, uh, not red blood cells, white blood cells are probably maybe liver. So with rats, you can sacrifice them and then break open their organs and, and assay them molecularly in a molecular way. That's why they're such powerful animal models. So I would look inside its liver, which is kind of responsible, or its kidney that's responsible for filtering its blood to see if the mRNA vaccine actually integrated into the DNA. So you could actually do a PCR test on these cells to see if the mRNA turned into DNA which would be very troublesome. And that, and, and that would take kind of the more far out claims. But as far as the actual, uh, the, the, um, uh, the, the people that make the tables, uh, Robert Malone brought this up too and pounded the table on it. It's a little bit beyond my area of expertise to delve into those tables right now. But, but he was, the way his argument was, is that these people are excellent at breaking apart data. Like you said, if there was ever a way to disentangle the getting COVID from getting the vaccine, it's going to be the people, the fucking people that make the interest rates on your life insurance. Um, or, you know, so I think, I think following those guys is the best case because like Malone said, they're purely objective and this is what they do for a living. And um, as far as smoking gun, not without a scientific study. And I think all scientific studies are so clamped down, even the successful ones, that there was not going to be a breakthrough one that we're going to know of anytime soon, maybe in like 10 years. It would never happen uh, because insurance companies, it's what I've been talking about quite a bit with the ESG stuff, which luckily is a little bit more tempered at the moment, but the right. socialism that there's so much government money in some initiatives, it's not about creating value in the marketplace. Yes. Insurance companies are highly tied in with government and they're highly tied in with, uh, you know, not having other people being able to compete with them or even health insurance companies literally getting money from the government, getting funding. So this would never happen, right? I'm describing fiction right now. If we lived in a totally free market, it would be interesting if insurance companies brought a lawsuit against the United States government that by forcing that, like by forcing vac, uh, by forcing people to get vaccinated, they changed the formula on the way that they priced insurance. And like there were financial damages for the fact that they couldn't cover people's insurance. Now that would never happen because if I was the United States government, I wanted to hide my ass. I would just cut them the check and say, we're going to cover it. Like you wouldn't let that go public, but that would be an interesting way. Cause I know that we can't sue the, uh, like people won't be able to sue the vaccine companies for damages, but there is something interesting about if government forced like a certain number of individuals to do it, which then led to their models being incorrect. I wonder if there would be some, I'm not a lawyer. It would, it just, it, it was an interesting idea that floated through my brain. I love that idea too. Just, just, and, and that sounds like the craziest idea. And like to only make that true, you would have to say that the government would force tens of millions of people, but that's exactly what the fuck they, they did. did. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they did. Yeah. All right. So before we, uh, do you have anything else on this particular topic? If not, uh, well, I'll hand it to you first. Did you have anything else on this particular topic? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's good. I mean, it's, it, it just keeps getting a little bit crazier. Um, I, I think it's nice that COVID's over. Um, th- this And it's annoying because this is, I guess this is kind of how it always works. The virus comes, it, it, it really hits you hard. It hits the, the older individuals, the people that are going to suffer from it. Um, and it's really our reaction that was so disgusting and made this like the worst thing ever. Agreed. All right. So let's take a couple comments and then we'll move into our uh, next topic. Before we do, want to plug Sheath Underwear. Use promo code RYM. You get 20% off. Steven, if you haven't sheathed yet, I'll have to send a couple pairs over your way because nice. it's, uh, it's a better lifestyle. You start and you live in the hot weather. I am sure uh, you're a fit guy. You do some exercise. It's uh, It makes for a better life. Um, Before we hop into the comments, though, also Summer Porch Tour. I am putting together some big dates uh, I'm hoping to, we're going to full WWF style. I'm hoping to make these quasi festivals with whatever gigs I can afford to get them out for the Shedcast guys doing a rap concert, uh, hopefully bringing other comics along, doing live podcasts. I'm really trying to do like full day events on weekends or find cities that I can fly out to and then stack like Friday, Saturday, Sundays, everything's that are three hour drives. Here's what I got in the works so far. We'll probably be doing uh, a big, the biggest blowout event will be by Max's. I got a coordinate event. That's probably going to be the end of summer sandwich spectacular. Uh, most likely, I believe I have a Florida destination in the works. It will be Northern wow. Florida. And I'm looking to do that early summer before it gets too fucking hot. Then we're going to have a, a near Denver out in the forest. Uh, I'm working on a California. I'm yep. working on one all the way up in the middle of fucking nowhere in Washington state. I am, I'm getting moving. I'm trying to put these things together. So if you want to be part of Summer Porch Tour, you got an interesting property or something that you think would make sense for doing a weekend show at your house, hit me up, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Uh, I, I I, mean, I, 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 hopefully I can get into some comedy clubs, start doing comedy every night because I am spending too much time at home and I got to work on jokes. This past weekend, I went out, I had the most fun doing comedy, but some of the new jokes, they didn't work. And that's the process, right? Okay. But between now and then, I want to go full WWF and put on big ass blowout backyard parties that are transcend the stand up comedy genre into full just hangout festival. You know, so if uh, if you're on board, you got a cool wife or someone you just recently divorced, but you're holding on to the house too for now. <laughs> hit me up, rosnewsroom at gmail.com. All right, let's take uh, let's take a couple comments here and then we can uh, move in. Uh, um, ah, shit. I just got rid of the entire private chat somehow. Oh, no, no, here we are. Comments, 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 comments. Here we go. All right, starting with Based. After the last episode Stephen was on, I binged all the episodes. By far and away, one of the best guests on any podcast in the world, and I'm not being hyperbolic. Hell there yeah. you go, Stephen. Nice. Get, in the, get in the support of the fans. Jim, we need to develop the vaccine for the weapons so it only kills our enemies. Well, Stephen's the Ooh. guy to talk to about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, run, we'll do that episode, the designing virus. Can we design it just to get at the Jews? Yeah, real quick. So, oh, 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 no, 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 never mind. No, no. <laughs> no. Uh, dirty, dirty Michael. I didn't pretend there was a deadly virus, not after the first one or two months when it all started to seem absurd. Robbie knew it was bullshit the whole time, too. Mostly, I I, I was a bit of a bitch in the first month. I, I panicked a little bit. I enjoyed panicking. And then I just, I just I have ADD. So I got bored with panicking earlier than everyone else did. Uh, based, I lived through the Melbourne, Australia lockdowns in 2020 and escaped to the U.S. early 2021 before Vax border controls went into effect. Smart. Last comment. And then we're going to move on. 
uh, based? Is there a danger of shedding from injected to the non-injected? I don't know the exact term, but Steven does. On that, if I'm putting my dick into these dirty vaccinated bitches and I don't use a rubber because I'm drunk and uh, I'm out of blue chews and, you know, I've been flicking it a whole bunch and trying to get it hard. And I'm like, let me just mush it in and we'll figure this thing out. I uh, can I can I can I end up because I know that the vax, it, it concentrates in women's vaginas and it gives them heavy periods and ruins their ability to procreate. So if I'm if I'm putting my premium unvaccinated penis into one of these dirty vaccinated bitches, am I going to get their mRNAs all over my dick? It's interesting that the mRNAs are lasting longer, but in order to do so, you would have to mainline their blood. And, and that's only under the circumstance that, that the jab was given incorrectly and some of the some of the jab made it into the person's bloodstream. OK, good. So I can have unprotected sex with vaccinated individuals. All you want. Thank you. Dr. Steven says it's OK. But uh, is there shedding in any other fashion that uh, the unvaccinated would have to be concerned about? Yeah, uh, no. So, so the vaccine is really interesting because it is a pseudo virus, but it, it's, it doesn't replicate and it only produces the spike protein. So it's really just like a little, uh, it's a little protein if, and um, you can't really shed the protein. And even if like you, I guess, even if like some way you could, it would be, uh, it would, it wouldn't uh, matter. All right. So I think you wanted to uh, switch gears entirely here and give us a little bit of a lesson in, uh, in crypto. I believe that it was specifically that I said something on a on an earlier episode about government's ability to potentially outlaw or seize Bitcoin in a way that would uh, erode the value. And you texted me instantly. You were outraged. You're like, Rob, you don't understand crypto. It's not possible. So I'll hand it back to you and you can tell people what I got wrong and uh, why you were criticizing. Yeah. So I guess just on that point, um, I just get frustrated because a lot of people, um, cryptocurrency has gotten to the point where people think they know, and it's almost embarrassing to ask questions or to back up and say you don't know. And so uh, what I see a lot on like CNBC and a lot of suits say, um, and a lot of people are fearful of the government seizing your Bitcoin. And a lot of people will bring up how the government kind of seized gold in the 1930s and confiscated gold and said, hey, you have to return it to the government and we'll pay you a little bit per ounce. And then they made a gold standard. But what I had a problem with is that uh, the government can't seize Bitcoin because Bitcoin doesn't exist. And it's kind of a hard concept to get your mind around. But all Bitcoin is, is actually a Excel spreadsheet that lives online. And all this spreadsheet is, is a spreadsheet of transactions. So it originally started with so many Bitcoins, person A sent to person B, and then under that person B sent to C, then C sent to A. And anytime any one of those people want to check how much Bitcoin they have, the, the computer or the internet just reads through that spreadsheet. And at the end, it just calculates, okay, so this wallet person, this has this much Bitcoin. But the cool so thing have- is, yeah. But I got to ask if let's just say the United States government were to make Bitcoin illegal. Right. So they would seemingly all everything. And I'm I'm one of these dumbasses that doesn't actually have their own wallet. Um, so Coinbase, Gemini, boom, gone. They've seized all of my crypto, uh, which that would actually be deflationary for crypto. So everyone who had their crypto in a wallet, if everyone like mine just got seized, yours would potentially actually be worth more. Can I come right? on that real quick? Sure. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's a great point, and that's and let's definitely get into like centralized wallets versus decentralized wallets, and the benefits of keeping on an exchange where you can earn yield versus uh, under your keys and like your Bitcoin. So you're you're absolutely right that when you hold it, as, um, that this exchange couldn't necessarily seize the Bitcoin. Uh, full stop because there are some issues with property rights in the United States. And this is still, you know, and it's very hot topic, obviously, with the executive order coming out. But a full a full born seizing of uh, your Bitcoin or your assets wouldn't happen. Um, that being said, what they could do is say that if you want to send that Bitcoin to any well, force you to convert it, here's what they would do. They would say crypto doesn't exist. So we're going to exchange it at the following rate. You will have a digital wallet and whatever money you had is now going to it's like the same way when you don't have a choice when a stock does like a reverse stock split or like the other way, they'll automatically convert your crypto. You'll have a wallet with with your cash. But the point I would make is that, it, it, well, all right, step one, if yeah. government were to outlaw Bitcoin. Now, it could be that there's international market for it, like fucking pirates, that I know that if I left the country, I could access my code. Well, well, what do I, you mean outlaw, though? You have to be specific. Like uh, no using it, no buying it, or no sending it peer-to-peer? -peer, or I mean, I guess they could do like what they did with weed. I liked weed. There was no reason for weed to be illegal, but they can make it that it's illegal to transact in it and that you'll get put in jail if you do transact in it. They could. And and they could say that there's a threat to national security and people using this other currency. They'll talk about terrorism or uh, how we all you know need to support the dollar because that's American, that we have a currency that works, whatever the fuck, however they want to present it. If they were to decide to make Bitcoin illegal, uh, I would have to. Well, OK, one. That would devalue the value of Bitcoin because you, you yeah. would have less access to it. There would be less demand for it. But the scarier thing would be is that the United States government has re has tremendous resources. If someone were to hack Bitcoin, Bitcoin would become valueless. Now, at the moment, because it's decentralized and you have the hive mind of all these computers, it's currently unhackable. But is it unhackable if the United States government and the NSA sat down and said, we are going to hack this? I don't know. Yeah, well, so they could hack it, but what would they would need about 70% of the computer power that's already in the network. And so that's a good point. When you talk about cryptocurrency, you really need to break it down by market cap. And then that's just kind of a function of how adopted and how accessible these cryptocurrencies are so basically in order to hack bitcoin and what you mean by that would be actually changing the transaction so so basically changing Making the amount me rich of and taking everyone else's bitcoin right i'm or on faking. team nsa right well yeah well you you would have you would need the vast majority of computer hashing power so all these private public companies that are distributed all over the world all have these huge server farms that we all see that all mine Bitcoin. So if the United States government wanted to hack Bitcoin because it's a public blockchain, they would actually need a majority of those machines working for it for a period of time to then break in. So, th so that's what's kind of beautiful about having a public blockchain that's always audible because no one no one can hack it or change those transactions because the transactions get added every 10 minutes and reassured by all those computers unless they have a majority of the hashing power but that's get that gets into the differentiation because some other cryptocurrencies like Solana or even Ethereum to a certain extent are more uh, centralized and when you're more centralized that means those miners or the people that you have to influence to change the blockchain or the code 
are easier to get. Does that make sense? But Bitcoin is, like you said, it's such a, it's it's kind of a hive mind, but it's also very individual because everyone's out to get their own money and reward. We're actually competing to get the reward in Bitcoin. So like when I mine, I'm competing with you if you mine to get that reward. So I want more computers plugged in. So if anyone was to hack it, they would need a majority of those computers. But back to your point about the exchange, just blanket selling and saying, here's cash. I guess that's theoretically possible, but you got to remember that all these exchanges are private businesses with their own shareholders and investors. So if all of a sudden the government's going to make this, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, I think it would be, uh, it wouldn't be as a uh, fell swoop as saying, okay, Bitcoin's illegal. Everyone's got to sell everything to, uh, to um, United States dollars immediately. Um, as you've already seen, some CEOs of these exchanges have already spoken up. Like the CEO of Kraken said he wasn't going to ban Russian addresses. Like there's already pushback from these exchanges. And I'm not saying there are saviors, but what I am saying is it's not as clear cut as, hey, blanket sell. There's enough liquidity. Everyone just gets United States dollars and we're going to pretend it never happened. Because again, back to that decentralized computer model, the government can do all they want with these centralized exchanges. But anyone that has it on a decentralized exchange or just knows their password, will always have access to that Bitcoin. And to your point, of course, the price would absolutely tank if the United States came out and said we're going to ban Bitcoin. But um, but it's, uh, it's important that that Bitcoin will always hold some value because it's going to be used somewhere. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be like Pollyannish, like you, you'll still be able to buy shit with it. But my point isn't that the price isn't going to take a huge hit. It's that you can't, you can't just wish it out of existence and it's to the point where it's based on certain feedback loops and these decentralized computers we were just talking about where it's not you can't just fell swoop and say hey you know what i gotta do steven let's open up a comedy club slash brothel slash i don't know casino in in el salvador right and let's create a town called bitcoin village and that will be the place that no matter what happens in the world you can always spend your bitcoin Dude, that's It'll be funny like a Disney World for Bitcoin. Dude, AMC started accepting it. I actually have some plans. I might open a Lightning store where I'm going to use Bitcoin Lightning only and not accept USD. And then I'll just have about like the top 40 convenience items that people buy and I'll just sell it in little packages and people will scan the QR code and pay me in Bitcoin. You mean like a bodega? A Bitcoin yes. bodega? Yes. Can we, dude, can we make that name? Go right now, bitcoinbodega.com. I'm not even kidding. I want in on this, bitcoinbodega.com. Only uh, cigarettes and boner pills and Red Bulls. And Sheath and, and, and Yo Delta. And hell yeah. Kratom. There you go. There you go. Yo Kratom, home of $6 kilo, but you'll be able to get it at BitcoinBodega.com. Oh, my God, man. We can start like that. It. We can just start that as a website. Basic goods for sale, priced only in crypto. Seriously, right now, can you see if that domain's available? I would do it on my phone, but my phone's dead. No, I'll, absolutely. We'll I'll get bullshit. I'm yeah. not even kidding. Go look up that. Yeah. Do- go I'm buy too, that domain. And, and we can use BitPay. Um, there, there's a very accessible ways to accept cryptocurrency, or we could get our own. Cert- yes, I like this. All right, wait, wait. Let's see if this domain's yeah. available. I'm gonna buy it if it is, unless one of these people in our chat beats me to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you can buy domains on Wix too. I'll look that up later. I like that. But I just think it's a no-brainer, dude, because you have free marketing. Everyone that's into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency to support the cause and to spend their crypto. Can you uh, can you do all the work on this? I'll advertise and do the marketing. And then, uh, um, you know, I'll take a small percentage, not a big one. What do you think enough- about this, though? I'm thinking we only do in-person because I don't want to fucking ship. Like, they got to come to us, you know? I don't know. And then we'll have, like, pop-up shot. I don't know. We'll We'll figure it out, you know? 
How come I'm not finding the uh, Google domains thing? I've been, I've, you know, how many domains I own on when I've had like random ideas for some company that was going to change the world. All right, let's let's oh. see if this. Wait, let's see if this exists. Sorry, this is a little bit looser than what we normally do. Oh, there's one in New York City, a Bitcoin bodega. Photos of Bitcoin. Bitcoin uh, the .com is just not available, and it's not for sale either. Maybe it's in use. You can do Bitcoin bodega .us dot online dot tech all right i'll come up with the new name it was a good one yeah yeah i'll, I'll come up with the new one all right so <laughs> what, what were we talking about you were going to tell us the difference between ethereum ethereum one staking and oh, uh well, yeah. and, and coins do you have any other pushback because i know i think it's always really interesting because no I, I, think, I think all right i think yeah. uh if the u.s government decides to get rid of bitcoin i uh, i would not underestimate our adversary here that i'm not saying it will get there and i'm not saying that because of natural causes the government won't end up in a situation where they have to accept it uh which could be that like it could i as a total theoretical if we're just pulling shit out of our ass theoreticals here it could be we get to a point where pension fund like people accept bitcoin and so it becomes like collateral and it actually becomes something that people use to to back uh, to back their dollars, even the United States government. Like Bitcoin right. could be here to stay, but in just the realm of possibilities, there is a possibility that the United States government goes, "We do not want this," and if it bans it, like I mean, here would be the study because China banned it; it didn't affect the value of Bitcoin. Well, would this ban Bitcoin, or this would ban every cryptocurrency, right? I would know only. if I had to guess, they would keep whatever cryptos they're in with. So what I mean so, by that is you you would probably have a United States uh like digital, digital like uh you'd have a digital whatever, and then you'd have yeah. and you would have some favored classes, which means like when JP Morgan does the equivalent of like an Ethereum type thing, so that you can do digital contracts. Like, so you'll have your, your favorite individuals and institutions. I, I'm talking theoretical. Mm -hmm. They'll say that the world of crypto is unregulated and it's dangerous. Right. And so therefore we're getting rid of all of it. It's banned, but you can convert it to your whatever. And then they're going to say, but we do see that there's a utility to smart contracts. And so all smart, smart contracts are going to be done through Morgan coin. And so now Morgan coin is going to be pegged to the U.S. dollar, but instantly they have their Morgan coins because, you know, so that's worthwhile. I'm talking theoretical. I know. I like that. And then and then it just I, I know it's always, it's always interesting. And then it's always hard because I always can I, think of. Can I like, also it, just say it, this yeah. is the mob where they show up to Ethereum and they go, listen, you got two choices here. Yeah. You can either not exist or you can give your technology to Morgan coin <laughs> We'll pay you a hundred million dollars. This is your options. You either don't exist or here's your hundred million dollars. And then all of a sudden, all these tech people, because I would be the same way where you're confronted with, oh, well, I had my idealism. Well, you can have your ideas and go be poor and you won't have changed the world anyways. Or you can just not have your ideas anymore and have a hundred million dollars and live a good life. Most people just realize, all right, I guess I'll take my good life option. But the problem, and and it would have to be a, a world uniting thing, because the problem would be if they went to like Vitalik or any of these companies that are in deep, or even Coinbase. And 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 just to give you an idea, actually, uh, everyone wants their piece of the pie. 
Like, even when it comes to, you would think that when it came to currency, the United States government couldn't devalue its currency in the way it did, except every other government went, okay, we'll print also. We'll lower our interest rates also. They all kind of colluded on doing it at the same times so that no one's currency fell too much against anybody else's. Well, if, I'm just saying, it. if yeah. the United States government were to get up and say, no more crypto, there's no way it's going to be allowed in England. There's no way you're going to be able That's to go buy saying. oil with it. What, it would be what, all of what these. What about Canada, Mexico, you know, Japan, I'm, South I'm, Korea? All, any country, I'm telling you, if the, I, I, in the theoretical landscape right. where government wants to make it disappear, it would be like selling your oil in gold, right? right. Which we've right. killed people for or yeah. invaded their countries over. You would end up being Iran if, like, if, for example, if uh, Russia's if, selling their oil for the Chinese dollar right now, dude. There you go. Good you know, so I, I, I know, but I, I, I would just, I, yeah, I would, I would just push back a little bit just because, um, well, one, I thought these were amazing numbers. So on the Bitcoin network, let's see where are we at right here. Oh yeah, in twenty twenty one, the Bitcoin network settled settled three trillion dollars in payments, which is more than Discover and Amex combined. So That's that would be. Massive. So, yeah, so I'm not saying it's too big to fail, but I'm kind of saying it's too big to fail. But and that might include on. that might include just the buying and selling of like imagine if every time you bought a stock, you bought it and sold it with your Visa or Mastercard, which you don't. But in Bitcoin, if every single time you just buy and sell Bitcoin, it's considered a transaction. So then obviously right. it's going to be more than like the swipe fees for you know going out and buying shit. But that's comparing networks and money that flows on networks and kind of interest in the network. And then to go back to the actual market cap. So right now, right. that's if you add, if you add up all the value of all the bitcoins in circulation, it's about eight hundred billion. To give you some idea, Walmart is at four hundred billion, Target one hundred billion, Microsoft's at two trillion, which is the same as the overall crypto market. So cap, let's which is let's make this precise. Let's just make this. We're going to be the opposite of everyone else who does news yeah. style shows. Right. You're making the argument that I am wrong in assuming that if the United States government wanted to get rid of Bitcoin, it would it could potentially get rid of Bitcoin. You think that Bitcoin is already at the uh, stage of adapt adapt adaptation that the United States government would not be able to get rid of it. Precisely. And look at senators that are that are owning it, whether it's political or not. Senators are buying and, and putting Bitcoin. South Korea just elected a pro Bitcoin president that beat their opponent because they're pro crypto and wanted to lower crypto taxes. India banned crypto, but now they're rolling it back. Um, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of boogeyman stuff out there. But what I will what I will say is I see a very clear political kind of line in the sands being drawn. And I would also argue, you know, there's almost no such thing as bad press at this point because we're right. talking about numbers that are so big. But that doesn't mean that the rest of these cryptocurrencies aren't unregistered securities that will get banned. And that's where we get into murky waters. There's a spectrum and, you know, a lot of volatility. But um, I, I think... I think, you know, just and just like Uber and Lyft or Uber back in the day was kind of getting banned out here in California, right. but enough. But then they got like, too big. Yeah. Precise. All right, so, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I will uh, to put a button on this one. It's OK. to We can agree to disagree. I think it's within the realm of possibility that government could get rid of it. You say it's not, which is fine. Well, uh, it's impossible to, to 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 make it ever existed. They can make life difficult as fuck. Yeah. For right. Which yeah. would devalue it. Correct. Um, yeah. I think there's something nice, like what you were saying about uh, South Korea. I think people like, I, I, I can't, 
All right, just give me one second to formulate this thought. Mm -hmm. I think people like the concept of freedom. Now, sometimes people seem to be willing to uh, trade being ruled over for security, which is true. But there's something about like when people earn money, they like knowing it's their money. Right. And I think people are starting to kind of get a little bit of an education here to the fact that like Bitcoin's like the money of the people. Like we own it. It's not owned by a government. And I wonder if there's like some like, you know, the, the sheep are getting like a sense of, oh, there's a little bit more freedom in actually owning my money by not having it yeah. something that they control or own. And the fact that it's like, you know, it's so funny because like the like the people that are into like marriage to this idea of one world government and we're all just like, we don't want that. Bitcoin is kind of theoretically a one world money, but like yeah. that, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, the story of like uh, the Tower of Babel in the in the Bible. Maybe that's funny because I was thinking religion, too, but you go first. No. So uh, basically people uh, the, the, the story, at least from what I remember from uh, from grade school, is that they're building this tower because they want to go reach the heavens and kill God. And so God made it that everyone started talking different languages and so the tower fell apart, right? Because they couldn't communicate anymore. Oh, I got it. Now, money in a way, it's a language. And there's something interesting if if suddenly like the people, we all have this one money that doesn't need to be converted. It doesn't, ha it's not in the hands of government. It's not in the hands of banks. And uh, I wonder if people uh, just in like instinctively are almost realizing like, hey, maybe that would be really great. Maybe I don't need the government in between me and other individuals when I want to just make a transaction, like, because it's a little bit different than like, it, it's almost more security. It's like government's coming in and they're saying we can offer you more security by being in control of money. And it's like, yeah, but there's inflation. My money keeps being worth less money. Like that doesn't, I, I don't, I don't like that. And I don't like that you can seize it. So I just wonder with what you were saying with South Korea, if like instinctively people are just starting to realize like, Hey, maybe it's worth having money. That's not government money. Right. Bro, that's literally, I have it written down here with a big one. And and that's part of the definition of cryptocurrency. It's using computer code-based rules for currency. So right. literally, literally making the rules for currency that are based on computers. So guess what? I'm following them. Uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has to follow them. Right. And so does Obama. You know, well, I'm saying confused. I love, I think they're, uh, I mean, I've said this on a couple episodes in this idea. I will continue to explore. So I don't mm. mind being repetitive about it. Um, cool. But to me, and the best book on this is Why Nations Fail. The United States government is the failed experiment of having a government restrained by a document because we all have our compulsive brain. We make mistakes. And so sometimes you can sit down and like you make these rules for yourself like, oh, I'm not going to eat cake in the morning, right? right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, easy because yeah, yeah. you can pre-plan your day and go, moment. it's smart of me that tomorrow, but then in the moment, eat cake. Government's the same way. Hey, government's not going to overstand its reach. It's not going to print money. And we can all come up with those ideas, but then in the moment, they just do it. But there's something right. interesting when you can take away your power to make the compulsive decisions and put it like into the computer domain where you're like, this is now the rule. We cannot buy, like, it's not in the hands of like the Supreme Court to interpret. It's like, this is, you know what I mean? There's something very interesting about that. That's the difference between setting the rules and control because previously government fiat currency, the government sets the rules for the currency, but they also control the currency. They control right. the access. They control to change the rules in crypto. Crypto just sets the rules. There's no control, bro. I lose. I I used to lose my funds when I was fucking around. But last year, a lot. You know, there there no one controls it. So that's exactly to your point. It's beautiful. 
All right, I have to take a uh, a quick uh, leak here. We're an hour in, and then I think we're going to get some education on Ethereum and proof of stake and all that other fancy gizmos, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then just kind of the, relate that to centralization and how it's good for some aspects like smart contracts, but Ethereum isn't Bitcoin. It's not hard money. People aren't, companies aren't buying Ethereum to store their wealth, neither are countries, you know. So all right, let me take a... Let me take a quick leak while, while I'm out there. You can plug some sponsors. You can plug freezing oh, your yeah. semen. You can let people know what you're up to. Have fun. Tell them, nice. tell them that they can invest in your virus superstore where you're going <laughs> to create the next virus, but it will actually protect people from what Fauci's working on, which is giving people AIDS. You, you can just go with that. I'll be back in a second. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. I'll definitely get to that. First, I was thinking, so we want to start this uh, store that only accepts Bitcoin and probably some other cryptocurrencies just for a little bit, maybe only Bitcoin for the maximalist, but it's going to be called, I think the lightning store. And so we're obviously just going to use Bitcoin's lightning network or maybe BitPay. And my original idea was to set up um, maybe at a mall or a university or someplace with a lot of foot traffic and just rent like a small place. And then just do a little bit of research on like what are like the top 20 or 40 items that people buy just like off the shelf every day just for like quick, quick loads. And then you could give like each of those objects a number like one through 40. So then people can come in or order on their phone and be like, I'll take like a number one, a five and a 29. And then you can like get it together for them and then have them scan a QR code and obviously pay for it in crypto only. And so I think that would be pretty cool. I want to avoid shipping costs because, you know, that's just kind of outrageous. And I want to I want to see people face to face. And I think when we start there, we can then open up to maybe have a back secret club um, where like if you're a crypto holder, then or if you pay so much to access, you can come to our secret club behind the store. Um, you know, I'm thinking like a vending machine that slides open. Yeah. All right. And uh, in the comments, we got based asking, is there a place to find more of Steven's work or is he Mr. Off the Grid? Man, you can uh, check my LinkedIn. Um, yeah. I'm not published papers and stuff. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. Probably LinkedIn. Um, is, there a, is there a literal article of how to freeze your cum? Can I can I be a yeah. co-author on, on, on anything semen related? <laughs> i'll call you a, a, a expert in what, what what would be your title semen i've i've produced a lot of it over the years i think <laughs> if you competed producer yeah if you were to compete me against a typical 33 year old male i feel like I've, i i'm i'm a couple gallons of semen above them we could actually actually i'm not even kidding i used to look into we used to do a lot of like machine learning algorithms to characterize right. neurons and something that's like a neuron is actually semen so okay. a lot of people have machine learning algorithms computer programs that look through microscopes and can characterize how healthy your semen are by the little swimmers so i'm thinking we take different samples of your swimmers and then we can mix it with like different b vitamins maybe some thc we okay. can see what makes them swim faster or slower i mean wait so you can Wait, this sounds interesting. Super yeah. swimmers. Super swimmer. We could race them and people could. I like that idea. I was thinking well, that instead too. of horse racing, we can, yeah, we can racing. race semen. And like, and you Whoa. put, you, you can do, put it up online, see, see, bet on a semen to see what ends up getting pregnant. Do there, And then there could be money in the, in the lady who becomes pregnant. Like that's part of the vig on the, on the semen race. And then we have like the pictures of the guys in the corner and with like, their faces, and they're like, "I got the past, the <laughs> semen, dude." And then it's like, <laughs> and then it's like, ah. 
All yeah. right. I mean, this is some real sicko shit. Uh, all right. Let's uh, give us the crypto education. I'm starting to fade. I need some dinner. So let's get into uh, what you no, got. You go. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's eh, all right. I mean, we can just kind of like finish up. I just wanted to get. Kind no, of no. Hard... I want. I want. I want the education here. Oh, the shit, Ethereum, okay. the yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, right. Give it to me. Fuck yeah. All right. Um, so this is also important when people come on and like, oh, I got the next crypto or like they talk cryptocurrencies. That's kind of like saying I'm a master of automobiles, right? Saying I'm a master of cryptocurrency. Well, if you say that, then you better fucking know cars really well. You better know trucks and you better know like golf carts or, you know, what other automobiles there are, right? Don't say you're a master of automobiles and then tell me you only know what fucking cars are, right? And that's what a lot of people in this space are doing now. And so it, it's kind of important to to make the distinction. So um, and just for example, you can talk like Bitcoin is cars and, and Ethereum is trucks and they're there for their own niche. Yeah, they're both automobiles and they can get you places. But if someone's looking for a truck, they're not going to settle for a car. Like if you're going to work or you're looking for a, a something to put your couch in the back you're not going to settle for a car and similar similar if you're driving across country you're probably not going to settle for a truck so my point here is that they're not competitors at all they're actually just two uh kind of two segments under the header umbrella cryptocurrency and their main differences come from uh, again bitcoin having this fixed uh fixed supply and a feverish um core group of developers and maximalists and people who who get uh who, who essentially protect the code. And when I say protect the code, the Bitcoin code changes very slowly and it can only change when a majority of miners and developers agree on it. And that's kind of, it's a little complex, but essentially uh, the Bitcoin code is there to stay and it moves very slowly versus the Ethereum code, which has a more active group of developers and it's easier to code on. So it moves rather fast and it has a lot of test nets. And so just back to their own niches. So Bitcoin is this hard money, the store of value, um, this inflation hedge, because innately it has a, a fixed supply. And because of that, you see more countries and companies viewing it as such and adding it and kind of this dollar cost averaging investment strategy. And so the next question is, so then what is Ethereum good for? So Ethereum's blockchain is actually capable of doing a lot more data. And so instead of just sending transactions like you can with Bitcoin in the Ethereum blockchain, you can say, I want to send this transaction if this happens and I want to link to this. And then if this happens, we'll have to send this transaction to this person. And essentially what that is, is it's called a smart contract. And it's a way to kind of code computer programs within the actual transaction which then makes Ethereum a lot more amenable to doing things like decentralized finance, to getting loans, um, to, do, to playing games, and to also even creating NFTs and other tokens. So, um, so it's really kind of, uh, I, don't, I don't want to say apples and oranges, but the, the, they are in two very distinct niches, if that makes sense. I mean, I dig it. I, I'd love to see Guy, Guy Swan's face right now as he's pulling, you know, pulling out his hair, being like, "No, Bitcoin for everything. The other things are fucking shit coins." But no, but this, I'll let the, I'll, I, let, I'll let you think, debate him sometime. I, yeah, I, I'm willing I, I think, to admit uh, that I don't know well, everything. I don't want to put this in Guy's uh, mouth, but I think he would agree. And I've listened, I, you know, I listened to his podcast. He's an excellent mind, an awesome guy. I would love to chill with him. Um, but um. I, I, I would think he would agree with because Ethereum has a bigger blockchain, it's not as decentralized. So with Bitcoin, you just plug in a computer or now a more specialized miner and you're mining. 
With Ethereum, it takes a little bit more uh, more computer power. And because of this, it's a little more centralized. So I think uh, he would argue, though, that uh, all the functions of all these other shit coins, there can be secondary layers, I guess, on top of Bitcoin to accomplish right. those things. The, the, I think. I, I might be putting yeah. words in his mouth. Like I said... Well, I think- David, yeah. I buy crypto because I I'm, I'm I I like it. I own more Bitcoin than anything else. I own some Ethereum and the other ones I buy like lottery tickets where I like the yeah. idea of it, but I don't do my homework and I can't tell you the specifics. I guess my point is that you just yeah. don't need Bitcoin for everything because some things don't matter if they're centralized. If you're playing a video game, for instance, I much rather use Solana or Ethereum because it's instant, it's fast, and right. and I don't care if I lose my skin in my video game. Does that make sense? Versus okay. versus coding this type of NFT stuff on Bitcoin would really muck up the system and actually add add a lot of shit to the blockchain that we don't need. So actually, I think part of Bitcoin's feature is is um is just being uh you know moving slow and not doing that stuff. If that makes sense. Now, all right, let's close out with this. So with Ethereum, I know they're switching over to like a proof of stake or something, yes, and people are making I, a yes. whole big thing out of it. I'm so. Why don't you give us the education on what the hell that means? Yeah, really important. This goes right to ESG. And so you'll hear a lot. And even the Europe is voting to ban Bitcoin because it's environmentally unfriendly. So what so are the stupid. facts? Right now, 50 to 75% of Bitcoin mining is renewable energy. And that's according to the New York fucking Times. So that's the worst case scenario. So a majority of the energy that powers the computers for Bitcoin mining is renewable. Why? Because you want the lowest cost energy. In fact, Bitcoin incentivizing seeking the lowest cost energy which is renewable energy. Part of the argument that Bitcoin incentivizes renewable energy uh, because that obviously takes out of your profit. Furthermore, how Bitcoin incentivizes renewable energy is that a problem with solar and wind power is that the, the electrical loads that they generate is usually during the day. And that's when people aren't using electricity. So you either need to store it in batteries or you or you waste it. You literally have to waste it. So to incentivize more of this electrical power that can be wasted during the day, the excess load that's There's not used being- for it. Precisely. So it's a, they get to monetize the excess load. And this right. And that's just one example. So it actually incentivizes renewable energy by saying, hey, if you, you'll never lose money, you'll never waste electricity. And but furthermore, the, and that's where proof of stake comes in. So proof of work, which Bitcoin is and will always be, and is part of that niche, that cars and trucks niche, it requires uh, it gives uh, people their opinion or their sway on the network based on their hash rate and they get rewards based on their hash rate and the hash rate just means what's the computer power that you have that's mining bitcoin and that's a function of how many machines you have plugged in and how powerful those machines are and and the more uh powerful and the more machines you have the better chance you have of of verifying transactions and getting paid in bitcoin but that's that's sporadic. So that doesn't mean that if I just plug my one miner in and I mine for like a couple of years that I might not mine a block, even though there's a minor big miner down the road. So that's what proof of work is. And that's why there is some uh, interest, because it incentivizes people to plug in all over the world, no matter where they are. If they have connections to the Internet, they can mine and make free Bitcoin. That's non KYC just by plugging in their computer. And that's part of what protects the network from governments doing the same. So if the United States government wanted to attack the network, they would have to plug in every computer the government has and then and then try to mine Bitcoin and then some, you know. Um, and, and so that's what proof of work is. And that's why it's important to keep it decentralized and to secure the blockchain because anyone can buy and plug in. What's proof of stake that Ethereum is moving to that's 
faster, a little bit more centralized. So instead of using computers to solve transactions, uh, Ethereum actually uh, secures the blockchain by having people that already have a lot of Ethereum, a lot of the stake tokens, and they stake it. And what staking is, is locking those tokens away from your digital wallet to secure the network. And so when you stake tokens, you will receive about a five, maybe 10% uh, yield. So you'll get rewards of, of those tokens as you stake your little tokens to secure the network. And because of this, it doesn't, oh, it's my cat. Um, because of this, uh, it doesn't take, um, it doesn't take uh, the computers, highly powered computers that have to solve the crypto problems. It actually just relies on um, lower power computers that just reflect the amount of Ethereum that's already on the chain. And I have a problem with proof of stake to really boil it down because it rewards the rich with more sway on the network as well as rewards for, for verifying blocks. So oh, if you're interesting. Right. So if you already have a lot of money, all you need to do is buy Ethereum. And now you're getting more. It. Yeah, you're, right. you're getting the same percent, but you're getting more of that flow back just for staking your Ethereum. And on top of that, you're getting a more say in the network. So that's good if you're a good actor. But if you're a bad actor, you can then. Right. We're game fearing that, like, for example, the right. Federal Reserve could go, hey, we're adopting big Ethereum. But right. since it's not decentralized, they could basically buy up enough of it to rig the rules. And then they would centralize it. And unfortunately, based on Ethereum's code, because we don't set the rules, the computers set the rules. That's legal. They, that's game right. theory, bro. They could do that shit. But if they wanted to try that shit with Bitcoin, they would have to shell out way more money to buy extremely powerful rigs that there aren't even enough of. What? Hey, China, let, give us a lot of your Bitcoin mining rigs where the U.S. government fuck off, right. you know? Interesting. Very interesting. All right. right, right, right. Let's call it there. We can continue our crypto conversations another time. Mr. Seaboss stepping into going nonsense. This is all just a modern Ponzi scheme. I'm out. Fair enough. Wait, Everyone's one sec. A Ponzi yeah. scheme is defined by a closed, uh, closed garden in secrecy, right? Bitcoin's perfectly audible. Anyone can open up the blockchain and see every transaction. Um, if this was a Ponzi scheme, you got to tell me where the secrets are. Everything's out in the open. Hey, man, the United States government's running a Ponzi scheme. So yeah, I would, the, I would. I would ask him, yeah, what are your dollars backed by now? And it's or, more dollars. Or what Ponzi scheme do you want to bet on will be around longer? That's kind of more what your options are. Uh, all right, Stephen, anything else you want to throw at people before we call an episode? Um, No, man. We'll try to get California up and going. All right. And uh, everyone, I'm quasi-retarded. So, like, just when I say dates... I just know I can be wrong. Uh, Denver's not this weekend. It's the following weekend. It's the weekend of the 25th. I will be at Steamboat doing two shows with Kyle Ruff. I'll be skiing uh, during the day. If you're a bad skier, I don't want to hear from you. If you're a good skier, I'll hit the woods with you. Uh, other than that, some report store, hit me up, and that's all I got. Steven, you want to tell them where they can send you your come? Their come, not your come. You already have um, your come. I think we're going to get this Bitcoin bodega or lightning store okay. going. And then we'll, we'll lightning we'll store is not bad. Here. By the way, lightning store is a good name because it sounds like you can get your shit quickly. So that's not a bad name. Right. Yeah. And we'll freeze some cum in the back off the, off the hell. Record. Yeah, dude, you can show up. No, you know what? We can make it so old school. It'll be like porno mags, but you can go in the back and just, you know, freeze some cum while you're there. Oh, I like, this will be fun. This will be interesting. And then, and then maybe what we can do to make it real cool is like you make it look like like uh, one of those like Terminator rooms, like with like one of those big ass vats, like 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 Walt Disney would be frozen in, but it's for your cum. Let's incorporate VR somehow. Yeah, yeah, where it's like you put it on so you can talk to your cum while it's like 
traveling into the thing. We make it a whole experience. Like you really get to experience storing your cum for maybe like a future generation when there's no males left on the planet and they have to go to this lab to get some semen and you might be the last human semen left. Like, we'll be like, you took DMT and you hallucinate this whole journey of your jizz. I'll write it. It'll be great. I like it. Like honey, I shrunk the kids type thing. Yeah. It'll be called, uh, the story of your jizz. And <laughs> while like we, you know, right after you jerk off, you get to watch the journey of your jizz and we'll write. On. Yeah. And we'll write all sorts of different journeys that, you know, because we don't want to rule out business. So it's like every time you come and you jizz into our, uh, are frozen things, you know, your just takes a different journey. And and it's kind of like that Netflix show with Bear Grylls where you got to choose A, B, or C. Which direction do you want to go? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you like that? Go different ways. I like it. All right, let's call it an cool. episode. <laughs> later, <laughs> yeah, <buddy>. we better go. <laughs> uh, later.